M. Rossiano and Michael Lucas. Is there something you know that we don't know? Is someone coming for our pussy? This is m That is the most ridiculous thing I've ever said. Oh, I didn't think of that. Fuck, that's what I've been getting wrong. And just remember, if it's too fatty, just heat it up. You're in m If that's not in a promo somewhere, I don't want to live anymore. Hello, darlings. Welcome to m Can you tell by my voice I've smugly exercised? I find that I have to exercise first thing. Otherwise, like I put on active wear with the intent of doing it and then I just spend the day in active wear. <laughs> so I get up. This is what I have to do. put it on my active wear. I exercise and then I can put on like some kind of pretty comfortable dress for the day or like not tracksuit pants anymore. That's what I've been doing. It's been working for me. Just getting the exercise out of the way done. That way you can be smug for the rest of the day. Hey, how are you? What's going on? Elio's just coming in. Can you hear him saying mum, mum? Hello, baby. Hello. Mm-hmm. What are you doing? Say hello to everyone. Say hi. No more. No more? Mm-hmm. I don't have any more. Chella's going to take you now. Chella's going to take you now. Go on. Go with Chella. Mm-hmm. Come on. Mummy's mm-hmm. got yeah. Mommy's gotta finish the podcast. Everyone's waiting. They're listening. Yeah. <sighs> As my eldest child... Takes my youngest child down the steps. The joys of working from home. Anyway, where was I? So, uh, I just want to preempt today. I think it's my favourite podcast, and I've said that a few times. <laughs> but I do get to flex my native bird muscle, which will make total sense later on when you get there. But before we get to bringing in my partner in crime, Mr. Mac Lucas Mokul as you guys say, I say it. I want to talk to you about my friend, Grotty Lottie, a.k.a. Casey Manson, but she is known as Grotty Lottie. She is one of my very favourite artists and she contacted me and said, hey, Em, could I buy some advertising space in your podcast? And I said, how about you keep your money because you're a mother of three, you're a small business, you know, it's been rough times. How about you keep your money and I talk about you anyway because I love you and I love your art. So... Here's a non-sponoed chat about my friend Grotty. Now, if you've seen any shots around my house, the massive native prints, she does Banksias, she does cockatoos, incredible. She's an incredible artist. She's one of us. She lives this enviable life, I have to say, in Byron Bay. It's very nice. It's the story that I think restores hope for all of us. She kind of, you know, she was in art school and she dropped out. And then she went off and lived a life and, you know, as you do in your 20s. And then she was a bit of a gypsy. Then she got married and um, kind of settled, had her kids and then went back to a little local art class and started, um, you know, just putting things on Instagram, not to sell, just for people to see her work. And Constance Hall, who you guys know, we've had her on here, uh, blogger extraordinaire, she commissioned work from Grotty and uh, – she got a lot of attention and it's kind of grown from there, but her artwork is amazing. So she has given me some packs to give away, a calendar, a couple of notebooks and some cards, all with her original artwork. So we're going to do a giveaway. I'll do it all on the Instagram. And she's also going to give me a discount code, all very profesh. And that'll all be on Instagram too. But I just wanted to take an opportunity to support a small, a female run, an amazing creative mother of three artist who, God bless her, was willing to pay me 
because she said you're a mother of three and you're a small business, but it's easy for me to do this fair and I love helping out. So please go check out grottylottie.com.au if you want to see her stuff. She's at grottylottie on Instagram. Go and support her. Go on. The prints are beautiful. You'll love them. And um, keep your eyes peeled for this giveaway we'll be doing. You have to be following us on Instagram though, at Emsolation Podcast. The calendars are stunning. I've got two packs to give away. So you go follow so you can be part of the comp. All right. I like helping people. Also, it's NADOC week. Don't forget, it is NADOC week, uh, which celebrates the culture and achievements of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. The theme is always was, always will be. This is your chance to, I mean, you should be, as we have all said, being better allies means doing this stuff behind the scenes, not, you know, not just posting a black square or Aboriginal flag on your Instagram, but actively engaging with allyship with our Indigenous community. So NADOC week is a great way to kind of get involved You need to experience some Aboriginal art, take in some music, find out how you can donate or volunteer or help out with with people doing great work within Aboriginal communities. I will be posting a bunch of stuff for NADOT Week on the Instagram. Also, well, Marcello will be, let's be real. So Instagram's Play Speed this week at Emsolation Podcast for the giveaway. Beautiful packs from Grotty Lottie. Get your discount code if you want to go buy some of her art. And also... um, I'm going to let you know how you can get involved with NADOC Week. All right, that's probably enough for me. Oh, God, she's full of beans today. She's full of beans. Let's bring in my offsider, hey? Play the music. M. Rossiano and Michael Lucas. This is M. Salation. All right, we both got up very early. We're already in competition to see who can be the most annoying. Oh, um, but you've already pulled out your trump card, which is that I don't have kids, which is going to win every argument about yeah, almost any I topic. Just, I feel like you need constant reminding of that because I am very competent and off my head and turn up and show up and bring gifts and spreads and decorations and I'm always there and I'm usually on time. And I think people forget that I'm wrangling three kids at home a job, like I just think sometimes I need to remind my childless friends no, it's that very I've done likely. fucking well to be there with a face on, you have. corrective underwear and a fake smile. Yeah. <laughs> and if we are both ever both nominated for Best Actress at the Oscars and then I win, <laughs> you will stand in the audience and scream, oh. he doesn't he have, doesn't have kids. children. <laughs> it's true. I love that you know me so well. We have so much to speak about. Um, speaking of sore losers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> speaking of, I love your segue. Speaking of sore losers. We, we, we naively sat down this morning and said, we don't need to talk about Trump. And then you're like, oh, well. You are fake news. Well, it is pretty spectacular. Well, it was on this day four years ago that Obama famously, graciously invited Trump to the White House for that awkward photo opportunity (laughs) where they sat and paid compliments to each other and it looked for half a second like maybe America was not going to descend into total partisan hell for the next four years. But Trump has taken a different approach. Trump is taking the approach that Elio takes when I try to take him out of the car seat, but he just wants to go and sit in the front seat and play with the steering wheel. That is what we are dealing with at the moment. So he's still – has he officially spoken yet or has he just been tweeting? I don't think he's spoken since that, like did it, he did that press conference in, yeah, in, in the White House where he sort of yeah. came out and blasted and sort of said, we won every legal vote. We were getting ready to win this election 
Frankly, we did win this election. We did win this election. And, and no, since then, he has not done any more appearances. But tell you what, he's sure doing a lot of tweeting. A lot of tweeting. But it's quite, it's, it, it, it's been a real gear change because he tweets and tweets and tweets with his heart's content, but it kind of feels like, oh, we don't have to worry about it now. It's so pathetic. What do you, <laughs> yeah, see, that's the thing. I've just stopped kind of consuming his tweets. You know, I, I've just stopped consuming anything about him because like I did last night send you a text message in a panic because I was reading some stats and reading, I was reading an article specifically ways he could as a very long, big, long shot steal the election. Mm. And one of them was <laughs> when the electoral college um, representatives come from each state, yes. it, traditionally they go, yeah, we, we agree with the overwhelming majority of our state our electoral college votes go to Joe Biden, Donald Trump, whoever won. But there's a chance it could happen that one of them goes, fuck everyone else in the state, I'm voting for Trump. That could happen. It could happen, but it would, well, it would certainly take more than one of them. Like, because every, you know, every single electoral college vote is represented by one of those electors. So they would need a whole bunch of them in multiple states to Mm. do that, which is profoundly Unlikely. I mean, it would absolutely send America into a total constitutional crisis. And I mean, maybe it will happen. I mean, you say these things like that would just be an unprecedented disaster, and then I you know. think crazy, or just twenty twenty. Twenty twenty. That's when you when you wrote back to me. No, no, it couldn't happen. I'm like, oh, well, it would just, it would just take so so many of them to decide I to do know. that, and the response would be. Uh, yeah, just bananas and hellfire. So, but don't think the penguin isn't making frantic phone calls at all hours of the day. They are sending out emails at a rate of one an hour to their base, demanding money for the legal account mm-hmm. to pay for his le- like. They are pulling out all the stops. They've even got that evangelical dude out there. What's his name? I don't. He's got a huge mouth. I posted him on our Instagram page. I want people to have a listen to him now because you won't have heard him. He's like super wealthy and he's the leader of one of the evangelical churches in the States. I wish I knew his name. But um, let's put him in now. He's, um, this laugh will stay with you for the rest of your life. The media said Joe Biden's president. Ha, 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 Okay, so that is terrifying, Michael. Chilling. Between and strike and strike and strike and strike and Mickey Mouse is king. <sighs> Those people are out there fighting for Trump and I don't think they sleep much. They look like they're full of formaldehyde, if I'm being honest. I know. I know. Look, <laughs> it doesn't imbue you with a lot of hope for how the next couple of months are going to play out. But no, I still think that the, the craziest people are hogging a bit of the microphone at the moment. And uh, we indeed ourselves are focusing on them, but I don't think they can actually pull anything out. <laughs> okay, good. But, I mean, I do just want to say I read a very compelling article yesterday before we move on to um, the argument that Ivanka Trump is considering a run. Mm. <sighs> what do we think? She's only 35. I, again, this doesn't worry me at all because I, I just don't think. Oh, Michael. I know, I know. Look, at the, I mean, <laughs> Jesus, the unicorn is emboldened. No, what am I? I'm the seahorse and I'm. You're the seahorse. Absolutely swimming. I'm dancing around in the current <laughs> and, and certainly the unicorn is not bowing down. But um, 
No, I'm I'm not that worried about her. I'd be more worried about Don Jr. to be honest, because I just don't know. Sorry, Eric. I think she's just a strange fit for his base. She's too elite. She doesn't. She's not in, like it pains me to say it, but I get the showman quality that Trump has. She's mm. never once said anything that's funny in her entire it's true, life. It's true. She's just not like who would want to go and watch her at a rally for ninety minutes? Like she still feels like she has to do things like occasionally like you know, um, post rainbow flags and stuff like that. And as hollow, <laughs> as profoundly hollow as it is, she still does that shit. Whereas the base wants someone who's just going to be hardcore. So I, Ivanka, good luck. Yeah. Well, I would watch the hell out of that reality TV series. Oh, but that is not what we want <laughs> in our democratic system. Reality TV, fine. <laughs> now, speaking of voter fraud, there has actually been some voter fraud found. Yes, it's been proven in New Zealand's Bird of the Year 2020 contest. <laughs> High stakes. <sighs> I mean, if the integrity <laughs> of that competition is under question. Yes. More than 1,500 fake votes were put into the database of the 2020 New Zealand Bird of the Year. In the dead of the night, a hacker broke into the election database and tipped the Kiwi Puku Puku bird, flightless bird, over the top to victory. Wow. <sighs> May it's we disgusting. all have supporters like the Kiwi Puku Puku bird. <laughs> now, Laura Kion, the spokesperson for the competition, said, I'm not sure. Sh- should I do a New Zealand accent? No. Nah. I'm not sure what kind of person could do it. I really wish you'd done a New Zealand accent, especially considering we do okay. have New Zealand listeners. Okay, I'm okay. not sure. I'm not I'm not sure. You go, that's South African. I'm going to already tell you that's what you're- I always go South African. I'm not going to do it. I'm not sure what kind of person could do it, but I like to assume that it's somebody who just really loved native birds. <laughs> oh, it absolutely is. Uh, no one has claimed responsibility and no one is expected to, no. Imagine at the Hacker Christmas party you're all sitting around <laughs> and people are like, oh, yeah, I hacked Keelan on. Oh, awesome. Yeah, I hacked the Republican database. Great. What did you do, John? I hacked the New Zealand Summer Award. What? What'd you say, John? What'd you do? <laughs> I hacked the New Zealand Birthday Year Awards. What the fuck? Why did you do that? Oh, it's quite beautiful. The motivation makes it beautiful. I mean, obviously, you'd want to condemn hacking and election fraud in every single circumstance, but you can, on one hand, condemn that. On the other hand, say, what a beautiful motivation. It is. Now, we want to talk about Ivan Richard. He's a data scientist, and um, he volunteered to monitor the vote. Good on you, Ivan. Ivan, Y-V-A-N. How would you say that? Y-V-A-N. Ivan? I think so, yeah. Um, he spotted something suspicious uh, because it happened in the middle of the night and he said um, sometimes in these situations, especially when bird elections are at stake, because this isn't his first bird election, <laughs> he said, I'm not making this up, he said that often people show their hand by getting a little too enthusiastic. He said <laughs> bird people tend to just go over the top. They don't just slip one or two. They go 1,500. They drop their load. Oh. And he said when a bird gets a whole lot of votes in the middle of the night and zooms from the middle of the pack to the top of the ranks, there's a sign that something's going on. I have to tell you, about 12,000 people had voted this year and the leader was the Antipodian albatross, an endangered seabird. But the pukupuku, almost extinct. So I just feel like someone's gone, God, we need to give this guy a boost. We need to get this yeah. bird going. But hang on, 1,200 voted and didn't they dump 1,500 votes on the Pukupuku? 12,000 12, people voted. 
And fifteen hundred went to the puku puku, like in one dump, and um, it wasn't great. And the albatross is currently fighting off a stiff challenge from the kakapu. Tony, our producer's Maori New Zealander, and she's dying right now with the way I'm saying this. That the organisers describe the kakapu as exquisitely perfumed. So mm. interesting. <laughs> Apparently, this is my favourite part. Voter count was down on last year because people were fatigued from the actual New Zealand election, which was also bird versus bird. Ah. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'll get my coat. <laughs> I know. That really was. <laughs> that was an unusual joke for you. Thank you. Sexist. It was, it was it both lame, sexist. quaint, and sexist. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Not, not three qualities that you often express nah. in your humor. Nah, I enjoyed it. Actually, I feel like I just ripped it off someone, probably. Wait, did I read that in the article? Yes. Here we go. I've ripped it off someone. I think it was our Talia who said that. Oh, my God. Yeah, First, we're good. questioning the integrity of the bird now election. I'm now we're questioning jokes. the integrity of your jokes. <laughs> that joke did not have any integrity in the first place, I would just like to add. Some people laughed. So, what's your favourite bird? Because obviously, I'm a bird lady and I'll, I will wax lyrical for 25 minutes if I'm allowed to. What mm. is your favourite bird? Like, I do what? have a very clear answer Pelican. Oh, <gasps> really? I, I was obsessed with basically how much they can get in their bills and they're just their eating habits. And I vividly remember being one of my earliest memories is being at the Royal Botanic Gardens in Melbourne oh, yeah. and then watching them eat and and <laughs> and just seeing just the sheer quantity of stuff that they could put in their bills and swallow. Oh. And I was mesmerised by them, just by the, oh. by the mechanics of it all. They're kind of like... The bird incarnation of gluttony, and I respect that. Wow. Okay. You love Storm Boy, Mr. Percival. Oh, absolutely. Long time ago, all the men were animals. First Kunai man was a pelican. Absolutely. Uh, that was also connected to it as well. I okay. feel like a lot of Australians of, of my vintage and even a bit maybe older than us would have a special place for the pelican. Yeah, okay, 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 okay. Oh, you don't sound overwhelmed with my choice. I'm well, not saying I'm feeling pelican shame, but I'm not feeling pelican support. What's yeah, yours? Yeah, but I don't see any evidence of your love of pelicans in your life. Like, do I you see say- any? What, what other birds do you see that I'm, I'm moonlighting with? There's only no. dinosaurs in your house, actually. So. Well, in fact, dinosaurs <laughs> did, under some evolutionary theories, turn into some birds, so they are connected. <laughs> I watched Jurassic Park and read every article about it in 1993, so I can tell you that. Not all dinosaurs potentially went extinct. Oh, jeez, the documentary Jurassic Park. Um, So, with birds, I mean, I obviously would be associated with owls. I'm tattooed. I'm covered in owls. I do love owls because when I was a child, out front of my room on the hill's hoist, a barn owl used to perch each night, and I couldn't sleep. I don't sleep. I'm not a good sleeper. And I used to lay there in bed looking at this owl for hours on end. So I've always loved owls. I love them, their stillness, everything, their big eyes, the whole thing. But as I've gotten older and considering where I live, I have become extremely attached to, um, well, I love a galah. I love the colour scheme of a galah, very 80s, grey and pink. See what I'm saying? The rainbow lorikeets are pretty, but they're fucking noisy. They're pests, but they are beautiful. In recent times, I love the king parrot. I find the king parrot so romantic. I love them. I mean, if I was going to marry a bird, 
I would marry a king parrot. I feel like I'm in an idol finale where every performer has to get their last performance. Okay, continue. Who else are you going to pull out? Kookaburra. Love yeah, a kookaburra. of course, of course. Elio's favourite bird is kookaburra. He can say cuckoo. He tries to make the noise. Crimson rosella, pretty. I'll tell you who I fucking hate, those Indian minor birds. The miners, the noisy miners. Oh, they're piss. Like, you know, in Still Magnolias where um, the dad drum, he's shooting the birds out of the trees before the wedding? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Putting fireworks in the trees. Yeah, and Weezer comes over and she's like, drum, you're making my dog lose his hair. I'll put one of those up your backside like that. I do a very Tell you southern. what, you shit with New Zealand, but <laughs> you've really got the southern bell down. Oh. If only the New Zealand film industry had made some sort of weepy feature about a whole lot of women in a hair salon, everything could be different. Mate, my southern bell accent is fucking flawless, okay? Mm. It's amazing. Thank you, because I've studied a lot of Dolly Parton. Um, oh, I can't wait for a Christmas special. Oh, it's going to be so good. Oh, so, I met someone who met Dolly. Yes. Oh, shut shit. up. Is, I forgot that we're shut actually up. on a podcast and I shut up. <laughs> just started telling you something. Tell me. It's an actor in the <gasps> newsreader, Robert Taylor. He was in that Netflix series. Wait, just wait. The newsreader is Michael Lucas' oh, show sorry. that he's about to start shooting. Yeah, go. We've, this is the weirdest <laughs> tangent. Anyway, he was in the Netflix series where they took different ones of her songs. And <gasps> yeah, they, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And he played one where he played a preacher that couldn't accept that his – um, daughter was marrying a black man. And then, you know, of course, being a Dolly uh, special, it all ended in tears and reconciliation. But anyway, he met Dolly. He loved oh, her. He absolutely me, loved tell her. Tell me about everything. Yeah. Did, he, did he give you he, good detail? Well, he, he didn't get to act with her. She wasn't in that one. She was in several other ones. Oh. But he said, uh, he, oh, like he basically said she's everything you want her to be. She's gracious. She's kind. She's cheerful. She's upbeat. Um, she invited all of them to go to Dollywood for the premiere. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and then he even said he still emails back and forth with her manager, and then and then at one point I'm like, oh, maybe we could license a Dolly song for the show, and he goes, well, I could I could send an email for you. (gasps) I I was electrified. Shut up. Yeah, he said she's basically exactly what you want: sunshine and light. Marriage is completely stable. Like he, her husband hasn't been seen in public for forty years or something like that. But anyway, basically we were having like a meeting with an actor and it was derailed for about 45 minutes because myself and the director just had to sit there and say, tell us every detail of the experience oh. of Dolly. Anyway, I digress. Back to no. she's in Steel Magnolias, which was... Because Dolly would say, when I got something to say, I'll say it. Yes. <laughs> there we go. And tell you what, I'll offer Dolly a role, but if I can't get her, you're clearly ready to step in. <laughs> Don't get so busy making a living that you forget to make a laugh. Yes. I have memorised every Dolly Parton quote. I had a book that I used to read out on air. It's hard to be a diamond in a rhinestone world. Yes, Em, Dolly. So my favourite bird is the sulphur-crested cockatoo. Thank you for asking. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Oh, I get it. I yeah. instantly get it because yeah. that basically the sulphur-crested cockatoo is you yeah. in bird form. 100%. It's loud. Yeah. It's it certainly it's got it's got a loud dominant. voice that cuts through. It's a dominant and bird. It knows how to put on a show. Fucking oath. I have a bird thing, a birdhouse at the back of my deck, and I put seed in it, and so the miners come in first, and they get pissed off by the rainbow lorikeets, and then 
I've got the sulfur-crested cockatoo I call Bruce and Bruce comes in, he's big boss, all the bears clear out and I sit there and I feed Bruce. I love the sulfur-crested cockatoo. Can you get black sulfur-crested cockatoos? Of course you can. You'd like that too. The black ones are like, they're majestic. Mm. The yellow-tailed black cockatoos, they're not sulfur-crested. So Mm. the yellow-tailed black cockatoos, they're stunning. They're native to southeast of Australia. They get to about 65 centimetres in length. So they're pretty big. I honestly think you need to produce some sort podcast? of bird watching show. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I don't think anyone wants a bird podcast. We want to see it. Not I, to I be. Get, it's got to be a television show. <laughs> what are you going to do on a podcast? Actually, you describing the birds just fangirling out yeah. over their feather patterns and everything like that does sound But did you know enticing. that there are five versions of Australian black cockatoos? True. Didn't. Yeah, there's five of them. Five of yeah. the bastards. How good. Yeah. There's the gloss black, the red-tailed, the yellow-tailed. Uh, I can't remember the other ones. Fuck. I've let them down. Hang on. The Borden's black. I also black. like how patriotic you are with your bird selections, I've got to say. Well done. Yeah, look, obviously I love a flamingo, but I've never seen one in real life. I'm not sure they exist. Really? They're so majestic. But when I've you seen see them, them both in Africa and in Florida. Shut up. You've, you've seen flamingos in, in person? Well, yeah. Well, can I just say at the Walt Disney World Resort? You have won today's podcast. You've pulled out Dolly and you've seen a flamingo in real life. It's true. I'm living your best life. <laughs> now, look, before we go, I I really wanted to touch on this. It's just – we'll make it quick because it's just really disappointing. This this isn't disappointing. This week is NAIDOC week, which celebrates the culture and achievements of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. Um, and this year's theme is always was, always will be. And it's a great week for all Australians to, you know, engage with Indigenous culture and not just, you know, uh, Indigenous culture from the past, also new and exciting Aboriginal designers and, and performers. And, you know, it's, it's a great, great week. Unfortunately... This federal government felt like they needed to just be real Debbie Downers and not partake. So a motion to fly the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander flags in the Senate chamber was voted down. (laughs) They just wanted to put them up during NAIDOC week and I don't understand why they couldn't just do it. What a gesture. It's so petty but it's it's also – it smacks of them – trying to make this really petty, annoying move to fire up their base and whip it up into an issue and and then that can all, you know, then they can rail on about political correctness and virtue signalling and but all this sort of stuff. Do you think if they had just whizzed it up the flagpole? Oh, I know. Do you think that any of their base would have even, like... Wash a no-brainer. I, I just don't understand. And Apart from anything else, it's a much fucking better flag. <laughs> anyway. I know. But so Labor's... Melandiri McCarthy, she has come out and said, the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander flags are also national flags and I appeal to the Senate when we fly the flags out the front as we do this week that we have it on display for the whole country in NAIDOC week for an opportunity to show that we can unite our country. And then Sam Canavan, the national senator, defended the government and he said in response to her that, it was impractical and would not improve anything. If you have an Indigenous senator saying to you that it will, and she's mm. Indigenous, as a white man, I don't think you can say it won't improve anything. I know. You always get this argument 
that, you know, oh, that's just like a, a gesture, a little, you know, I mean, that's not, you know, it's not a policy. It's not a, it's not going to actually, how's that going to help people? And, and whilst on one level, of course, of course you shouldn't confuse, no. you know, the gesture, gestures like that for actually making substantive change in people's lives. But the way, the thing that I think of in, in like back in the marriage equality debate mm. days and people were you know, people were changing their profile pictures to rainbow flags. And then the, sure enough, there was like a whole lot of people going, oh, it's clicktivism. It's just, it's virtue signaling. What difference does it make? But for me in that pretty, you know, unnerving, scary time, it, yeah. it was reassuring yeah. to see people show by, by that flag being there all over my social media feed, it showed that people were out there and often people I didn't expect that were basically saying, I hear you and I'm, 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 I'm trying to understand. And that in itself was reassuring. And the notion of an indigenous flag being flown in NATOC week is a no brainer. A no brainer. I don't understand why there would be any opposition to that. I just don't get it. And I understand the whole concept of, you know, people just posting a black square and then that's it. And if you're a true ally, the allyship yeah, happens totally. quietly and silently and diligently behind the scenes and you you make a proper deep shift to making yourself aware of, of indigenous course. But it's not an either or. It's no like you can you can do substantive you... things to change things and yes. you can also show you support publicly in simple gestures. But for me, the one thing, if you have an Aboriginal senator putting this forward on behalf of her community, saying, please fly the flag during NAIDOT week, it means a lot to my people. Yeah, fucking do it. You do it. Because oh, this know. is a chance for you to do something that is, yes, a gesture. But if you have the people that it's a gesture for saying it means something to us, you do it. And it costs you nothing. Nothing. And, uh, you know, but I mean, I think what they want is for this to flare up a little bit and then and then we'll no doubt get the <laughs> Andrew Bolt column oh, and the God. Alan Jones monologue oh, on Sky God. News and, you know, it'll be something they can use to galvanise. Not, no, I mean, I, I've been down the route of being in a war with Andrew Bolt and I never want to go back there again, but I have noticed that he's been using the term multiculturalism to whip up And as the daughter of an immigrant, for him to say that multiculturalism hasn't benefited Australia, it just, it makes me want to cry. It it makes me feel very defensive of my tiny Italian father who worked his ass off in three jobs every day. He contributed to the economy. He paid his taxes. He raised his family. No, we weren't born. He wasn't born here, but he came here and he fucking worked hard, as did his brothers. Like to hear... When he starts, I just want to make everyone aware, when you start seeing that word multiculturalism, that's, that's the new term they're now using to just be racist. Oh, and, I know. And multiculturalism should, at this point, it should, I mean, it's horrendous that it was ever a debate, but we're so far past it now. Can you imagine? Australia back in the white Australia policy. Who wants to live in that country? No, no one. No one. No one. And just think how enriched your life is. You are listening to us now. I won't be here if it wasn't for multiculturalism. Like half the people you My marriage wouldn't exist. Your marriage wouldn't exist. Like so many things. My half of my family wouldn't be here. It's just, it's preposterous. It's an amazing argument that he, and and I've read now two really inflammatory articles about it. And it's basically a way for him to pinpoint corona flare-ups on uh, people of Muslim faith. Mm. Um, But it's just, don't buy into it is what I'm saying and fiercely defend it. If you see it being used, think of Vincey. (laughs) 
I just, I feel like it's Andrew Bolt standing there screaming in the face of my wonderful father sometimes. <laughs> Think of Vincey and then try and ignore the fact that you actually, if you spoke to him, he'd probably say, yeah, but we could shut the door now though. <laughs> just think, don't think about that. Don't think about that my dad is a classic immigrant. He's like, oh, work tight, everyone else can. Still defend him because we love him. All right. God, we've, we've really went some, this today's been my favourite podcast, I think. Oh, Really? <laughs> I think it's just because you got to fangirl over birds. I did get to flex my bird muscle. And I have to say, I really, I've known you for decades upon decades upon decades. We've discussed (laughs) almost everything. And yet the bird knowledge and fandom you were whipping up at the drop of a hat was startling. It comes from my grandfather, Grandfather Ted, my mum's dad. He had budgies. He loved birds. He used to go out with a book in waders. Um, and binoculars and spot them all. Like, And my Uncle Russ loves birds. My mum loves birds. My oh, mum's house mama. is legendary. Every elf and mum <laughs> love birds. And every elf and mum, they don't want to admit it now because you're not supposed to do it, but they all went outside and bought all sorts of seed and everything like that, and then the house turned into Corumban Sanctuary every <laughs> afternoon. It was bananas. 100%. And then all of those lorikeets and everything got totally dependent. <laughs> and it was probably an ecological disaster, but gosh, it looked pretty around the time you were having your G&T. Oh, how nice is it with the G&T and Bruce's on the deck eating the seed? Yeah. Oh, what a life. <laughs> All right, I'll talk to you later. Goodbye. Bye. This is Emsolation. All right, well, that's it for today's episode. Don't know what I'm going to call it yet. God, so many things. Maybe Mickey Mouse is king. Do we like that one? Mickey Mouse is king. Okay, done. We've decided. Hey, um, thank you to everyone who has reached out with ideas for next year's show. I've got a lot of good things coming in. I'm percolating on the topic. This week does mark a year since I filmed my stand-up special, Rage and Rainbows, for Channel 10. Um, I had mixed emotions about it. I felt sad that it's been a whole year since I've done a stand-up show. But also because I've learned how to slow down, because I'm in a bit more peaceful state, I think... For the first time this week since I did it because at the time I didn't enjoy it. I was surviving it because, you know, obviously last year I gave birth, I quit the radio, I did the tour, then I did the stand-up show. And I I remember at the time of filming I was barely hanging on to my sanity. I was just not – I was just desperate to be for it to be over and I wish I had have known on the night what was coming because I would have been more present and enjoyed it more. But – I certainly didn't at any point feel proud of myself or um, marvel at the things I'd achieved. And I think because this year I've really slowed down and my output has halved through necessity, um, I look back and just think, my God, woman, you could really take a holiday for the rest of your life off of last year's efforts. So, um, yeah, I think for the first time this week I was looking back at the photos. I haven't watched it again yet but I think I might. I think I've got to find a way for you guys to be able to buy it too. And I felt proud of myself without being a wanker. That's so Australian of me to be nervous about being proud, but I did. Um, it was a truly wonderful thing my team and I achieved. So, yeah, I will figure out a way for you to be able to consume Rage and Rainbows. I will. All right, have a lovely day. Remember to get involved in NADOC Week and indeed past NADOC Week. Involve yourself partake, immerse in our incredible Indigenous culture. And you and I will chat soon. Don't forget about the Grotty Lotty giveaway on Instagram. Remember, not paid Spono, just helping out a mate who I think is incredible, who wanted to pay me. I love the gesture, but it's so easy for me to do this for her. Uh, at Emsolation Podcast. All right, gang. Bye.
a Podcast One production.